You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 307. In this episode, I talk to Christina Giandali about how to create an engaging community ready to buy in your Facebook group. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. On today's episode, I speak with Christina Giantali, who is a business growth strategist who helps online business owners stand out, get seen, and create six-figure revenue using the power of Facebook and Facebook groups. Go to sigrun.com for 307, and there you will find links to Christina and the show notes of this episode. And there you can grab your gift so that you can build an engaging community ready to buy from your Facebook group. I am so excited to be here with Christina Yandali and talk about how to build a community and especially with Facebook groups. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Christina. Thanks for having me. So I'm in Iceland in my home office. Where are you right now? I'm in chilly Vancouver. We just had a little bit of snow. <laughs> it's cold. We we had like a slight shine of a spring recently, and then we got a, a little bit of snowflakes also today. So yeah, similar weather, I guess. It is. Yes, I'm ready for spring and sunshine. <laughs> oh, can't wait. Can't wait. So I always start by sharing how I know people. I know about 99% of my guests previously before they come on the show. And we met uh, through James Wetmore's mastermind, his inner circle. And we were there together and I got very excited about having you on my show. So because you do so many different things, you know, you are not just talking about Facebook groups, which we're going to dive in later, but many other things. Before we dive into that, how come you do what you do today? Great question. So it all started, I was in the corporate space. I was working in a very male-dominated industry with finance. And I thought I had all of the boxes checked in my life. I had the husband, I had the house, money in the bank account, a cushy salary, all the things that you think that you'd ever want. I was pregnant. I was about to have a baby. What more could a girl want? <laughs> right? And yet there was still a piece of me that felt like there was something that was missing. And I had no idea what it was. All the boxes were checked off. And then when my daughter was born, I remember looking into her eyes and just wanting all the possibility for her, wanting her to have the life of her dreams and to go after what she wants and just having so much love for this little human being. And it hit me in that moment that I wasn't living that and that I wasn't really truly happy. And I felt that there was something within me that was greater or bigger to pursue and I wasn't pursuing it. And I was stuck. 
And so I made a commitment to her in that moment that it was that I felt that it was up to me to pave the way of possibility for her. So she wouldn't have to go through the experience of feeling there were all these reasons why she couldn't go after she wanted and have all these excuses instead open the doors of possibility to see what it's actually like to live your dreams and live your purpose. And that's how it all began, that sort of seed that got planted in that moment. Mm. Did you know your purpose or passion then, or did you have to discover it? I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of know that feeling. <laughs> it was started, it started searching and, and it's funny because I would have said, I'd love to say in that moment, everything changed and then I just went after it. But it took me a while to figure out what it was, what was I meant to do? Who was I meant to serve? Who the heck was I? <laughs> All of those conversations that come. Mm. So you started doing something else that, than what you're doing today? Or did you just think about it until you figured it out? So I originally started, I actually decided, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So I started doing, when I was on maternity leave, this, this was my second child. This is a little bit slow moving in the beginning. The idea was there, but it was, it was on maternity leave. And I started doing a coaching certification through Tony Robbins. And I was just blown away at what I was learning. And I thought, wow, people need to know this. People don't know this. I didn't know this. People need to be aware of this and the self-coaching and, and, and the leadership and recognizing how we're our own worst critic and enemy. And, and so I was going through this experience like, wow, people need to know this. And so I first had this idea, maybe I'll help women rediscover themselves after having babies because I felt like I went through this, like, who the heck am I now, now that I have this child? And I went through this discovery process and it didn't take me long to realize that that was not who I was meant to serve. And so I actually began working with financial advisors, supporting them and scaling their business to seven multi-seven figures because that was my background. That's what I knew. And then I realized that I was still in the box, <laughs> still in the corporate box, still stuck in the limitations, still in a very male dominated industry. And I had such a desire to help women move through their fears to pursue their dreams. And that's really where it started to begin working with women and helping support them into starting their own passion-based business and building out their business online. So they have the freedom to be at home as well with their family or freedom to travel and have that portable business. Yeah. I actually went through a th similar experience. My first six months after I incorporated my business were a business consultant writing business plans for companies. And I realized, oh no, I'm just still in that world and it's so boring and I don't care about this audience. So yeah, and then I also found my way to helping women. So it sounds very similar. Yeah, I think one thing with that too is it allows you to break the ice at least. It's your comfort zone. It's where you come from. So getting those first sales coming and realizing, okay, you can you can do this as a stepping stone for confidence to keep going to pursue what you actually really want to do. And so how did you shift? How did you start? What was your first offer? My very first offer was actually, uh, so I offered someone that I knew to work with them for free. I thought, you know, I don't have any testimonials. I'm going to work with someone for free. So when I first transitioned, I'm going to start working with someone for free. She had a fitness business. It was a brick and mortar business. And I said, I'm just going to test what I know and see how it works with her. So I thought over 30 days that we would have a breakthrough. It didn't happen. So I extended it to 90 days and she ended up tripling her revenue in her company over a 90 day period of time. And so I thought, wow, I'm onto something. And so she then referred um, someone to me who was actually a realtor. 
And that became my first paying client. And then I built out a program from there and it just continued to build and, and continue to niche down. It was all over the place in the beginning. Any sort of business or sales professionals with, in different niches were who I was serving before it really narrowed down to working more with coaches and ex online experts. Yeah, I think that's quite normal. It's kind of you just are figuring out who wants to buy from me. Yes. And then at some point you realize not all clients are created equal. Exactly. And you don't know until you do it. No, you don't. You don't. So what is that that you move you did moved into doing today? Is it about communities or is it a broader business coaching aspect for coaches, consultants, trainers? So what I started to realize, I, I was remember I was going through a phase of thinking that things were taking a long time and that when I would send out an email, because everyone says build your email list, it felt very cold. So I would send an email and then I would be left like, who's on the other end of this email? Are they reading this? What do they think? Are they, is it landing with them? Does it make sense to them? And so it, I lost the human connection that I was so used to having in the offline space. And so I craved that. I really craved that connection and opportunity of actually building relationships. And ultimately, I, that's my belief is that business is about relationships. Business is all about creating relationships and creating relationships with your audience and creating community and creating connection. And so I thought there's got to be a better way of doing this. And so I started to see some people having these Facebook groups and the hosts would have so much, they'd have these raving fan base and people would be paying attention and they'd be showing up there and they're part of this, this sense of community and they had this belonging there and there was this great connection factor. And I said, I want that. So I decided to start my Facebook group and I, I went from that point of trying to hit my first five figure months to having a $30,000 month the first month that I had my Facebook group. And I was like, wow, I was really onto something. This worked. And it was filling in that space. And I think it's, we're moving, the industry is really moving from a place that people don't want pump and dump messages. They don't want to feel like they're blast mail out from one to, you know, thousands of people, but they really want to have a true connection with the people that they want to invest with and work with. And there's no quicker way of doing that than in my opinion, than having a free Facebook group or a community where you get to bring people in and, and create that, um, that connection also orchestrate their journey from just raising their hand as a lead into a buyer. So before we dive into how to create an engaging community and Facebook group, a lot of people have actually closed down their groups. I saw groups grow to 30,000, 50,000 or 70,000, and then they were closed down. What do you say to that? So I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One reason is I like to say is one person does something and people tend to follow without necessarily taking a look at, you know, what are the reactions or what are the reasons? So I think that one of the, one experience that happens is, oh, so-and-so is doing this. Oh, so-and-so is doing this. Well, maybe that's where things are headed and maybe I need to do that. So I think that sometimes it can be the, uh, the blind leading the blind and following suit of what's happening rather than making it a personal decision. The second piece is that there was such an emphasis for a period of time where everyone was focused on growth, thinking that the numbers were the most important thing, having the biggest Facebook group, having the most people, having the biggest reach. 
the reality is it's the intimacy and connection with your audience. And so you're filling your group with a people, a bunch of people that aren't really aligned to what it is that you do. It's always going to feel off. Things aren't going to land. There's going to be a lack of engagement. It's going to feel like there's always this push of people aren't paying attention and things aren't landing and maybe the right people aren't in there. And then you're spending a lot of time managing, clicking out spammers and because and, people have been invited into or accepted into the group without really taking a look and making sure that they're right fit for the group. And so when that happens, you end up having this giant pool of people that are not the right people. And so what do you do when it feels misaligned? And so many people closed down their larger groups and decided to start a smaller group and be more intentional with the people that they were inviting in the group so that it was more aligned with what they were serving. So that would be a second piece. And I think the third reason why people have done it as well is that business models change over time. And so what serves us at certain periods of time may not serve at a later period of time. And so it depends on, on the intention for building out the group. And sometimes the business model changes where as people build out and have more members and paid programs serving at both levels can pull your energy in multiple different ways. And so when your business model changes, what you're doing on the outside changes as well. It's no different than you know, building out a platform, one, one social media platform, and then realizing, okay, we're going to focus on this other one this year. And this is going to be our area of focus because it ties into the strategy, but that's doing it in a way that's strategic and aligned with the end game. Yeah, that makes total sense because many of these groups were so big that I think, like you said, the, the owner or the creator of the group had moved on and uh, it was maybe just stealing their energy to spend time in there versus focus on some other things. And I think when the groups is too big, people felt lost and there's no connection even to the original mission of the group. Yeah, loses touch with that original mission, exactly. Yeah. Would you say that groups are a great way for those who are beginners or more like, you know, trying to figure out their niche? Or is it also for those who are been longer in business and already are very settled in or are making decent revenue? I think it's both, both people. There's just a different approach to both people. So the beauty is for newer people and newbies that are just getting started, what better way to get in the, the head of your ideal clients than to build a community for them, speak to them, learn about them, find out what they're looking for so that you have the opportunity to actually create offers that people actually want to buy. That's the biggest challenge with new, new people to businesses. People aren't paying attention. They don't get my value They're you know, and so your Facebook group ultimately gives you the access to that Intel by building out the community. For people that are further along in business that are multi-six figures, seven figures in business, well, there's a different approach, but there's no faster way, especially if you're selling a higher ticket offer for people to come into your community and get them to raise their hand and interest for what your offer is going to be then through a community and a Facebook group and be able to orchestrate that journey. It's thinking about doubling up on what your email list is able to do. And email lists are kind of shifting to a shorter lifespan, meaning that the longer that people are on your email list, sometimes the less likely they are to move forward. And so if you can have, have the opportunity to nurture them, not just on your email list, but in your Facebook group, you can move people through rapidly. And then the last piece would be people that are further along may use a pop-up Facebook group as a strategy as well, where it's not, meaning it's not a Facebook group that's open all year round, year after year, but open for a short period of time as part of a campaign, which generates a ton of interest and has been, this, has been part of multi-seven-figure lunches. Yeah. 
I actually moved to a pop-up group with my previously free group. And like you said, the business model changes when you have a very solid program with hundreds of people in it. That's just where I need to spend my energy. And before we hit the record button on this episode, I also shared with you that I need to work a lot behind the scenes to grow the business. And um, through those changes, you don't want to have have any distractions, especially not from any uh, free offers. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's, it's always about with anything, with all the tactics and ways that we can build our business out there, it really comes down to making sure it's aligned with the bigger strategy. Otherwise we can hop to hop and uh, hop to the next hole to next hole and have a whole bunch of half dug holes in our business of different strategies and tactics. That's why, you know, like you were saying, knowing from the end game, where is it that you're headed and what best supports that and working backwards versus sort of shiny object and you know, thinking, oh, this is a great, great strategy, but really being aligned with where you're going with your company. So let's say someone starts a Facebook group. The most common complaint I hear from my audience is that there is no engagement. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So people join the group and they're quite excited and maybe they even introduce themselves or you tag them when they join the group and you say hi, and then there is crickets. How do you avoid that or how do you change it once you have a group? So yes, engagement is absolutely hands down one of the biggest stumbling blocks for people when starting their Facebook group, people aren't paying attention. And I like to say, you know, a couple of things to note here is that people get stuck in what I call the engagement bubble. And without a clear strategy for your Facebook groups and knowing where you're leading people, people will tend to focus 100% on engagement, thinking that the number of likes that they get, the number of comments that they get is a reflection as to what's going on in the Facebook group. And unfortunately, is if we focus on the ego metrics, like I like to call it, we can get stuck in the engagement bubble. And I want you to imagine when you're focused on engagement, we're cre- it's often creating content that's not relevant to what you do. It's creating content, talking about conversations. You see, you know, comments like, oh, what do you have for coffee? And what's your favorite this? Or what's your favorite that? And questions that are not related whatsoever to what you're doing in business. So it's fabricated engagement on topics that are unrelated. And so that tends to be a drop off when it actually comes to leading towards an offer. So when it comes to engagement, you don't want to be stuck in the engagement bubble where you're just focused on vanity metrics because people have nowhere to go. It's to think about as they go in the spinning loop around and around and around focused on engagement because it's not leading somewhere. But when you have things like purposeful engagement, well, let's backtrack for a moment. When people are in your Facebook group that are aligned to your message and what you stand for and what you do, you're going to naturally see more engagement because people are like everybody else in the group. They feel like they're one of them. So you're naturally going to create that. But when you're, when you are building out, so you've got, you know, if you're not focused on this engagement bubble and you're like, okay, I'm focused on engagement to captivate my audience, you know that your engagement is meant to lead people somewhere. So for example, I share in my Facebook group, I'll say, if I could just make blank, then I would blank. So a post like this makes space to be able to, for people to comment very easy. It's not hard for them to comment. It makes it very easy for them to comment, but it's not just to create engagement. It's not just to get questions answered, but it tells me Intel on what these people are looking for, where exactly they're at. So when I ask that question, 
know, say if I could just make blank, if the majority of people are saying $10,000, well, then I know that the community is looking for something that's going to get, allow them to create $10,000 a month in revenue for their business. And then when we go on the question, if I could just, um, or if I could just make blank, then I would blank fills in the blank as to why they want that money. What's it going to do for them? What are they going to spend the money on? How's that going to change their life? What's going to be meaningful to them? And now I have intel on what to speak into inside the Facebook group that people have already told me they're interested in. So now when I speak into if you're looking to create $10,000 a month so that you can you know, send your kids to private school or take that family vacation, if I'm speaking into that within the comments and within the live streams, then people are like, wow, she really understands me. That's exactly what I want. That's exactly what I've been thinking about. So engagement naturally comes when you're actually tuning into the clues that people are leading you to and making sure that your engagement is purposeful with leading people forward. So all of your posts should have purpose behind it and, the, and where you're leading people, where are you taking them so that you're orchestrating the journey for them. And you're going to see a huge shift when it comes to engagement. The other piece is you don't want to have all over topics being posted because you get, you know, if you're not clear on your messaging and you're speaking about lots of different things, one day you're talking about, let's say, you know, let's just say it was, you know, a health coach. One day you're talking about fasting. One day you're talking about exercise. One day you're talking about cleanses. One day you're talking about, you know, drinking more water and it just spills all over the place. And people are left wondering, okay, like, what am I actually doing here? And they left overwhelmed and confused. And so that doesn't orchestrate again, the journey that people are on knowing that you want to have themes, you want to be leading people towards the next thing. So you're, you're creating the breadcrumbs for them to move along. Engagement will naturally happen when you're laying those breadcrumbs because the next thing is the next thing that they're looking out for. You're opening the loop for the next conversation that's going to be coming up. So you have the opportunity to do that. And then the third piece when it comes to engagement is people go wrong thinking that where people want to make a difference. I bet your audience is just like mine. They want to make a difference. They're here to make an impact in the world and they want to serve. And sometimes when we want to serve, we want to dish out so much information like a fire hose to people and give a whole bunch of how-to content and answer a bunch of questions and leave people with a bunch of steps. And that actually kills engagement. People save those and they think, oh, that's great. I'll go back to this later. I'll work on this later. And there's no reason to have a conversation around it because, okay, great. I'm done. I got the information. I'm good. I don't need to... I don't need to engage with you. I don't need to ask you questions. I'll save this for later. You've given me so many things now and I've got 20 things saved in my post and I'll go to it when I, when I get to it. And so that actually kills engagement too. So I'd save those three pieces. Mm. So would you say that you are selling in that moment or should you stay clear of sales messages in a free group? So if you're in business, we're here to sell. Ultimately, without selling, we're not able to stay in business. So it's okay to sell in your Facebook group or at least bring people to the sales mechanism that you're using to sell. Meaning if you, let's say you are selling a course and you're selling through a webinar, well, you're going to create the desire and interest for what you're going to be covering on that webinar and leading people to the webinar where you have the opportunity to pull them off and go into your sales mechanism where you're going to be making your offer. When it comes to directly selling in your group, I think it's as long as you're directing people there and it's just not 
an offer that's out of nowhere, left field, that's just put out there and people are left wondering where did that come from if you're leading people into that offer and it lands and it makes sense. But most often, you're not selling directly from a post inside the Facebook group. You're actually leading people to the sales mechanism in which you're making that offer. So whether it's a sales conversation with someone, leading to the sales conversation, leading them to a webinar, leading them to that space where you then have the opportunity to be able to bring them into that buying journey and, and move into the sale. So you said it's important that there are the right people in the Facebook group. So one of the things that, of course, a lot of people are using are those questions you can ask before people join the group. Would you also recommend that people sign up for something before they are invited to join the group? Or would you lead them directly to the group and just use the questions to filter out the wrong people? So I think both. I think your Facebook group should be building your email list for you and your email list should be building your Facebook group. In order to be able to do that, you want to have people that are signing up for your freebie or signing up for your challenge or signing up for your webinar to come into your Facebook group. You can have that on the thank you page. You can have it in your email sequence and leading them over there. With the other piece, the pre-join questions, it gives you the opportunity to get them onto your email list if they're not on your email list already. So one of the questions that we always, that I teach students to always ask is invite them to get onto your email list, inviting them, asking them if they have your freebie or your webinar, or whatever the pieces that you want people to lead into to get onto your email list and invite them to share their email address so you can add them that way as well. But either way, you want to continually be bringing people from your list on into your group and your group into your list. And it's not just in the pre-join questions. It's in the group description. It's in your pinned post. It's regular occurrences in your Facebook group where you're inviting people to get on your email list because you want to have both. And one thing with Facebook groups, I love them and I believe in them, but you don't actually own the asset, meaning that if Facebook changes and you know you lose your group, you don't want to lose your contacts and your leads. So it's really important that you not only have them in your Facebook group, but you have those people on your email list. And that also gets to double up on your efforts with your nurture and, and your visibility with these people and where they start to feel like, wow, she's everywhere. Mm, yes, so important. What do you think about that now pages can own groups? And I know that in the beginning, people felt when you stopped posting as a person and you start to post as a page, that engagement went down. And I think that's generally one of the problems that people talk about, this engagement has gone down. But these are two separate topics. So what about the pages? Is that a good idea or not? So I've had several students that have gone through and tested before with us that we've worked on a campaign with to test. And it did show that there was a drop of engagement when the page is linked. There is a benefit to the page being linked, meaning that you can have multiple team members posting in the group on behalf of you. So it's not just you or you don't have to give away your personal login information if you're having someone support you with it. So there are benefits of posting as the group, but it needs to outweigh. So it's always about thinking about benefits cost. It will cost some level of engagement inside the group. But if you have natural engagement, and, and a quick note here is that if you look in your like your insights inside your group insights, you can click on there to see engagement. And where a lot of people think is oftentimes, oh, my group is not engaged. But when they actually look at the number of active members in their group, this is people that are reading the content, watching the videos, as well as liking and commenting, that their active members are significantly higher than what they thought. Mm, interesting. So generally about engagement, it has dropped 
it's because the Facebook feed is busy and we can see it on our Facebook pages. That's kind of a disaster. Uh, the groups are still a little bit more visible, but it's quite a difference since just a year ago. So is there anything you can do besides asking engaging posts? Yeah, so engagement really the, with the algorithms with Facebook, the engagement really happens as a result of engagement inside of the group, like the reach inside the group it has to do with engagement in the group as well as growth in the group. So if your group is not growing and you don't have new members coming in, it will affect the reach of your posts. So the engagement, leading people places, having reasons for people to be um, communicating as well as the growth inside the group. One thing that we found that has been is super valuable is also assigning ambassadors inside your Facebook group. So some of your favorite people who are your biggest fans, inviting them to be ambassadors for the group where they can tag people based on interest on different topics. And they, you're giving them the assignment of being able to be part of the team and boosting engagement. And they love to do it because they love what it is that you're putting out and they want to be part of it. And it really gives a big boost to engagement by adding that in as well. Wow, I find that super interesting. So would you contact these people over private message and ask them if they want to be an ambassador and you would explain that this is a voluntary role and you're just giving them a little bit more admin space in that group? Yes, absolutely. And they're just so happy to be feel like they're part of they're part of it and being acknowledged and being seen. And so it gives them an opportunity to really shine as well. Mm. So you shared in the beginning of this conversation that just by starting a group, instead of achieving 10,000 in a month, it went to 30,000 within a month, just having a Facebook group. So you actually teach this in your program. I do. Yes, I do. Okay. So what is that program called? It's called Leading a Kick-Ass Facebook Group. <laughs> That's a good name. That's a good name. So... I love this conversation and I think it's so important for people to understand, you know, it doesn't come naturally to everyone to lead a Facebook group. Some people are really good at it and others need to learn and maybe some people will just not be interested. Do you feel it's totally okay to hire a community manager to run it for you or does it always have to be the person that is selling the service, the creator? I think with anything in your business, knowing knowing what works and knowing that you have mastery in some area or know how to do something in some area before you delegate it out or ask other people to do it is important, not when it comes to tech, because I think that you can always hire out and you can spend hours, hours trying to figure that out. But when it comes to sales and marketing in your business, I think it's really important that you need to nail that down. So if you don't know how to clearly bring new members into your Facebook group to becoming buyers, then you can't expect to hire someone to be able to do that for you. So I think that once you've got that system down, once you have a repeatable system down that you can do, but that you can put on repeat and do over again, then you can bring someone on and teach them your system so they can have a chance to replicate it and learn your voice and learn your languaging and be able to do that. But otherwise, it's kind of like the blind leading the blind and, and hoping someone else is going to be able to get a result for you that you're not able to get for yourself. So I think it really starts with mastering it yourself or hiring someone to, if you're going to be hiring someone to go through, making sure that they're strategic about it and that they have, you know, you're giving them ownership of what it is that you're having them create. But ultimately you need to be mastering sales and marketing. I totally agree. And this is a great ending to a fantastic episode, Christina. Thank you so much. We're going to link to your program, to your website in the show notes so that people can check it out. And 
thank you for your time and coming on the show. Thank you, Stephen. We'll have a we'll have a uh, VIP sign up as the doors might not just quite be open yet, but we'll have the VIP on that page. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Christina. Thank you. Go to signal.com forward slash 307, where you will find links to Christina in the show notes of this episode. And don't forget to grab your gift so that you can build an engaging community ready to buy from your Facebook group. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you join this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on Apple Podcasts. We still have a contest running where you can win one of five one-on-one coaching sessions by leaving a review. Go to our previous podcast episode, number 306, to get all the details on how you can win one of those coaching sessions. I'll see you in the next episode.